I want to welcome back Rabbi Glastin. Rabbi Glastin, thank you so much for being here with us. And um, I've heard that you've traveled the world, you've gone to France, and I'm sure you have a lot to share, um, ideas for Klal Yisrael and Bifrat. On Tishabov, what messages can you give over? Uh, something that's relevant so we can take out um, physics, some messages for Klal Yisrael. Thank you, Menachem. Uh, we just came back, like as you mentioned, from a, a really whirlwind trip to uh, France, to Tsarfas. And I just want to mention uh, what's Nagel in Yonenu here on Tishabov about some of the locations, destinations, and experiences that are relevant to uh, really the most uh, mournful day of the Jewish calendar. So we start off in Paris, and you can't go to Paris without going to the most iconic spot in all of France, to the most visited monument in the world, actually the most visited monument with an entrance fee. And what hit me there at the Eiffel Tower, which uh, the architect was, was Gustave Eiffel. And, you know, it's amazing. If anybody thinks of France or if anybody does an advertisement for France or anything that's trying to capture Sarfas, there's always a picture of the Eiffel Tower. It's the most iconic destination in the country. And here France is a country of culture, of art, of history. They had kings, they had monarchs, they had dynasties. And, and it's thousands of years old. And nevertheless, the iconic monument that represents France is a tower that was put up 130 years ago. Can you imagine? Here it is, they have hundreds of years of history and art and painters and sculptors and kings. And the icon of the country is something that was only put up 130 years ago. It, at the time, it was considered an, an atrocity of architecture. They wanted to tear it down, it was put up for the World Fair. And it, it, it gave me the following insight. Everything that they, the country stands for it's like the, the Nabi says, There's nothing there. It's a big bluff. Because what, what represents this great country of culture and art is something that was basically erected 130 years ago and they didn't even consider uh, noteworthy at all. So it's a lesson in life in general. Some All the, the Tanuge Oilam Hazeh that we sometimes pursue and run after you pull away the veil, you see there's nothing behind it. It's all, it's all hot air, it's all nothing. Here it is, the most cultured country in the world is represented by an icon that was put up in uh, very recent uh, history. We went to Versailles, which is uh, the palace of the kings of France, of all the various Louis, uh, Saint Louis, Louis Thirteenth, and the extravagance and the royalty and the luxury and the beauty was indescribable. I mean, this is a palace like none other in the world, nothing rivals it. And the following thought came to me, which I think is very uh, important for Tishabov. You know, the Chida, when he went to the Tower of London, 
So, you know, it's interesting that one of the all-time great Gadol Israel went to the Tower of London to see the Queen's jewels and to see the King's crowns. And the Chidah had the following insight, which I think we could borrow for Versailles. And the Chidah's insight was, if this is the wealth, this is the extravagance, if this is the reward for those who violate the will of Hashem, then extrapolate the great reward in store, so in other words, when a Yid looks at the palace, the jewels of the king, the jewels of the queen, Versailles, the thought should be, this is what Olam Haba is. When I see someone driving that car that I want, no, 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 no. There's no time in this world. What do you need that car now for? You're going to have a much better vehicle. You're going to have a much better bias. In other words, all the beauty and all the nice things we see in this world don't be jealous of. It's not something to desire now. Use it as a motivation. This is what is in store. For those who are mispalel kahoygen, for those who are mizdabek ta'kodesh baruch for those who raise their families, all the wealth and all the success in the world is there to give us an imagery and to give us a certain feeling of reality of what's in store. And I think a very similar thought could be employed for Tishabav. You know, we have an idea that Tishabav is a Mayid, which is a very uh, unusual idea. Tishabav is a Mayid. We know we don't say Tachnan on Tishabav, we don't say Tachnan Erev Tishabav. Beis Yosef says you don't even say Siddiq Adin on Tishabav. It's considered a Mayid, it's considered a Yamtif in a certain sense. Well, what kind of Yamtif is this? So perhaps we could just adjust this idea of the Chida. You know, the Navi Yeshaya says, I forsook you for a split second. But with great mercy, I will gather you in. Think about it. The entire Golos, Yeshaya Navi saying, could be considered a brief moment, a rega relative to the Achras Hayomim and the good that's in store Hayomim, that's Rachamim G'doylem. Beshetsev Ketsev Histarti Panai Regamimech. You know what Golos is? God says, I'm hiding my face from you for a brief second. In other words, you know what the Holocaust is? The Inquisition, the Chalmanitsky pogroms, the Chorvei Samegash, it's Rega, it's one second. So the entire Kinnas, all 45 Kinnas that we say throughout Tishbab, you know what that is? Rega, not it's more than a rega, it's 2000 years, but relative vis a vis to the good times in store of the Asad Lavai, it's rega. So we need to take the kinnis and say, if this kinnis is rega, imagine what the chesed oilam is, imagine what the good times in store of the So, in other words, if the only way to get a glimpse into the happiness of the Asad Lavai is to experience a Tishabav. Tishabav helps us have a hasaga and a, some understanding of the happiness of the La'achra Sayyamim. So in that sense, Tishabav could be employed as a yamtif, as a moyed. It gives us the sort of the barometer to help us measure the happiness of uh, the La'achra Sayyamim. It's interesting. It's interesting what you're saying because most people don't focus on that positive side. The way you're putting it down is amazing. And some people feel, um, you know, despair and, and 
feel like, you know, another year and another year, where is this all going? But what you're saying is we need to focus on the hope, focus on that, that positive, where we are and where we're, where we're going to be in Mitz Hashem. And as Hashem, what the Medrash says, that on Tishbav Noilad Menachem, that the Mashiach is born on Tishbav. The idea being that sort of the seeds of redemption are apparent in the Chorban, because the Chorban gives, gives us a glimpse of the magnitude of the Achras Hayamim. If, if the Chorban, which is a Rega, is of such great magnitude, imagine the magnitude of the Achras Hayamim. You know, one of the places we visited was in Provence, in the south of France, is uh, we went to Pointe-Garde, which is a Roman aqueduct, which was, it's amazing that 2,000 years ago, they built basically a bridge, like like uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. And it was an aqueduct that brought water from the mountains to the low-lying areas. It was able to bring 9 million gallons of water daily to the baths, to the sinks, to the pipes of all Roman villages in the south of France. So I, I was uh, doing some research. You know, when did they build this aqueduct, Pointe Guard? They built it between the years 60 and 80 of the Common Era, which is exactly at the time of the Chorban Beis Amikdash. You know, the, the Chorban was in the year 70. And the Gemara says that if somebody tells you that Yushalayim is built and Kesaria are built, don't believe them. If someone tells you they're both destroyed, don't believe them. But if someone says, they submit they're destroyed, Yushalayim is destroyed, and Rome is built up, believe them. So we know that for our world, in Yushalayim, there's Chorim Beis HaMikdash. That means the Romans were building buildings of the greatest grandeur and beauty and, and great architecture, and that's point to guard. In other words, what the Beis HaMikdash was to us, it was destroyed, the point to guard, this aqueduct, is what the Goyim built for themselves. There's a very important idea in the Maral that when the Goyim destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, the Kavod and the beauty and the majesty of Yisrael, they co-opt and they take for themselves. So really, this point to guard is the stolen, hijacked glory of Yushalayim and the Beis HaMikdash. And it's, it's breathtaking what they were able to build. And you realize this is Kavod Yisrael. They just stole it, co-opted it, hijacked it for themselves. And it gives you a little bit of a glimpse of the beauty and glory of the Beis HaMikdash, which that was destroyed then. And the point to God was built exactly at that time. I want to share with you uh, about another experience we had. When we were in Paris, right outside in the uh, city center in Paris, is a hotel, Hotel de Ville. And we went there because that was the exact location of the burning of the Shas in 1242. Kina Membez, Shali Tsrufa Baesh, was written by the Maram of Rottenburg, the mayor of Rottenburg, who wrote that Kina, um, commemorating the burning of the Shas in the year 1242, commemorating the burning of 24 cartloads of Shas in 1242. The Marame Rothenberg, of course, was the God of Hadar. He was the Rebbe of the Rush. He was uh, kidnapped. He was held in a prison in Einzersheim. And they demanded an exorbitant uh, ransom. And the Maram Paskin, they can't ransom he, uh, him because the Mishnah says in Gittin, 
Yasser Mikadei Dameyam. And the Rosh, his student, argued on his rabbi. He said that doesn't apply to the God Adar. So the Rosh took responsibility to raise the funds. Meanwhile, the Maram passed away in jail. And uh, they were after the Rosh. So the Rosh had to run away to Spain. And the Rosh, the great Ashkenazic Poisik, had to go to Eretz Sfarad. Now, the Maram Rotenberg was a student of Rabbi Yitzchak Mivina, the Arzarua. By the way, the Marami Rutenberg is the author of Toysis and Masechta Yuma. You learn Toysis and Masechta Yuma, you see the signa and the, the Nusach is a little bit different. There's a different Bala Toysis, the Marami Rutenberg. So I was thinking about the following. <clears throat> Why do we talk about the burning of Shas on Tishabah? It's a tragedy, but there are many Jewish tragedies. <laughs> there, are, there are many times where whole communities were massacred and we don't mention it. We could we could have kinnis about blood libels. We could have kinnis about so many possible Jewish tragedies. Why talk about the burning of books in 1242? Is that really relevant to Tishma? In other words, yeah, I understand we talk about the Hasar Haruge Malchus, Arze Levanoin, because the Gemara says, Shkula Misa Tzadikim Kisreifas Beis The death of the righteous is like the burning of the Beis HaMikdash. But why the burning of books? The burning of books is not like the, the Chorvan Beis HaMikdash. What does it have to do with Tishma? And Vashem Heyer Enai to a new insight. You know, there was somebody present in 1242 at the burning of the Shas. His name was Rabbi Hillel of Verona. And he recorded that just earlier in that exact spot, a different Jewish tragedy took place a burning of other books, the burning of the books of the Rambam. And we know that many of the Rishonim in France, in the south of France, and it was led by Reb Shloima Minhahar, Reb Shloima of uh, Montpellier, and Rabinu Yoyna, they were, uh, they did not favor the works of the Rambam. They held that some of the things the Rambam wrote in the Sefer Hamada, in the Marnabuchim, were what we call a bit edgy, a little bit uh, not with what they considered normative Jewish thought and they challenged the Rambam and it was taken too far probably by some of the uh, people who were not of the caliber of the Rishonim and they took it to the Dominican monks and they said the works of the Rambam are against Christianity and they reviewed the works of the Rambam and sure enough they found that the Rambam's works were um, critical of Christianity and they burned the works of the Rambam in 1242 in that city square, which is now opposite the Hotel Divel. And then shortly after, an accusation was made against the Shas. And in that spot, they burned the Shas. Says Rebullah of Verona, you think it's a coincidence that they burned the Shas in the exact spot that they burned the works of the Rambam? No, it was... Mida Kineged Mida they orchestrated to take up the cause of the Rambam because they disparaged the words of the Rambam. So Klai Yisrael lost Kemad all the printed published Shas throughout Sarfas. That's why it happened. And I'm thinking about this. I say, no, no wonder why we speak about this on Tishbav. What is this an example of? This is Sinas Chinam of the highest measure. You know what Sinas Chinam of the highest measure is? Sinas Chinam to Gedoyle Yisrael. Yeah, we know Sinas Chinam, 
between one brother and another, between one family and another, between one person in the Kila and another. I just saw Rabbi Yonison Ibishit says, when the Gemara says the base of English was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, it means baselid hatred to the Chachna Yisrael. And what more powerful and poignant example of Sinas Chinam to the to the Chachma Yisrael than Shali Srufavesh and the burning of the Gemara? Why was the Gemara burnt in 1242? Because they did not show the proper respect to perhaps the greatest of all the Rishonim, Rabbeinu Moshe ben Maimon. That is the conclusion of the Kinnis. You know how we got in this mess? Not only baseless hatred between brother and brother, but more, more uh, severe than that is hatred toward the Chachamim. And I think there's a very important point to bring out from here. You know, recently at a Aguda convention, somebody made the point that the reason why there's so many people going off the derech is because the derech has become too narrow. So what do you expect? There's not enough room on the derech for anybody to navigate. I think a similar point could be made regarding the G'dayle Yisrael and Chachme Yisrael. I don't hold of this Gadol, I don't hold of that Gadol, I only hold of the Gadol that learns a Toysvist the way my Rosh Hashiva taught me to learn the Toysvist. Uh, my idea of a Gadol is, is only someone who thinks about Eretz Yisrael the way my Rosh Hashiva told me personally on a Thursday night on Chav uh, Gimel Sivan to think about Eretz Yisrael. And anybody who veers a little bit off to the right or a little bit off to the left, no, he's not a Gadol Yisrael, he's not a He's not Bikairas. And I think there has there has developed a certain lack of tolerance. Uh, yeah, not just for um, Ishla Achiv, but even for Rabbonim and Chachme Yisrael. Okay, everybody should follow the opinion of their Rosh Hashiva and their Rebbe and their Rav. But to learn, to, ta- to accept, to be soival, to have an appreciation to have a recognition that there are many Shvatim in Klal Yisrael, and there are many legitimate viewpoints, and there are many legitimate Hashkafos. There's not only one narrow way to look at Eretz Yisrael, to look at Torah, to look at learning. There are many different Gedalei Yisrael throughout the ages. There are many approaches. There are many legitimate uh, um, blue points. You know, they, they say that uh, one of the Garabas said that after the war, um, we can't afford anymore to put so much focus on the color of the sack or the length of the brim or the width of, there are not enough of us for that to go around. We're ha'atem ha'ma'at amem. And yes, we always talk about sinas chinam, but Rabbi Yonasen makes the point that the ikker problem of sinas chinam is to the G'day Yisrael. And somebody, so you say, who's the Talmud Chacham? Chavetz Chaim says, the Talmud Chacham is someone who's Yagea and Torah. And he could issue a Psaq Halacha. So learn to be accepting, appreciative, learn to have healthy dose of respect for Chachme Yisrael of stripes a little bit of a different shade than we're used to, I think uh, would be a Limud that would uh, put us in very good stead, especially on the day of Tisha B'Av. So these are just uh, a few thoughts that 
perhaps are valuable for us to think about at this time and uh, to take to heart. And Bezos Hashem, I'm sure um, many have very good ideas of what we could think about, what we could work on, and Kulam Ahuvim, Kulam Berurim, and may HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us Siyat HaDashmaya to be Mizboinein, this Tishabav on what really needs Tikkun. And I thank you, Rabbi Nacham, for allowing me to share a few thoughts and my humble bracha to, to you and to the audience is Mea Kadesh Baruch Hu, engender within us, Ava, the Achva, the Shalom, the and we should be to the Geula that we're all yearning for. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you.